Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 340 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a software engineering leader at the forefront of emerging customer technology across Silicon Valley. She has held management roles at Apple, Zynga and American Express and is currently VP of Software Engineering and Head of DEI at Tile. She's also a public speaker and she coaches technology leaders on creating inclusive and diverse working spaces. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Josie Haynes. It's so great to be here, Phil. Thank you for having me. So that was very much a brief overview of you, of you and your career. So maybe, Josie, could you give us a bit more about your background and the roles you've been involved in? Absolutely. So I've been working in the tech industry in Silicon Valley now for over 22 years. I started my career in uh, early 2000s uh, here as an engineer at a tiny dot-com startup that doesn't exist anymore, uh, and then ended up working at a few startups. And then I was at Sun working on the Java download infrastructure. After that, I ended up at NetApp for a while working on Protection Manager, which helps system administrators manage uh, their storage infrastructure. And then in 2010, I actually left NetApp and went to Zynga along with a number of my other colleagues from NetApp. And that's really where my career took off. I went from being the pod lead on Cafe World on the Revenue Pod, where I got us a couple million dollar days, to being the first engineer on a game called Chefville, where I helped design the storage service that later became the central storage service for all Zynga games that wasn't deprecated until a couple of years ago when they moved from PHP to Java. Eventually, I became, after we launched, Director of Engineering for Chefville and managed the whole game team while uh, running our live operations. Uh, we peaked at 10 million daily active users, I believe, on our launch day, which was pretty exciting and didn't have any downtime. Um, I also ended up, after that, I moved to American Express for a little bit. Um, my mom passed away, so I ended up moving to Florida for nine months to be closer to my dad, which is where I ended up in American Express. And there I worked on their serve platform, which helps uh, underrepresented minorities be able to get credit cards when they may not. I realized though my passion is Silicon Valley and thankfully my dad was doing better. So I was able to move back here and ended up at Zynga again, uh, working now as uh, the director of engineering for the advertising team. And so there I actually got to manage both the backend services, which were over 2 billion API calls a day for all of our ads, as well as the client infrastructures. 
After Zynga, I ended up at Apple in early 2016, and I managed Siri Music Media and Sports. On the music side, I managed that team during the development of the HomePod, and we added over 30 new features to Siri Music. And on Siri on Apple TV, we actually won a technical Emmy for that integration while I was managing the team. In 2018, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. And you can go to you can go to Apple's Infinite Loop and go actually see the Emmy, which is pretty cool. Um, and so when I left Apple in 2018, though, I thought I was going to leave the tech industry. I was burnt out. I was I was going through imposter syndrome. I was fed up of how women in tech are treated. And I thought, I'm done, I'm gonna walk away. But I realized if I walked away at that point, I was gonna become a double statistic. 56% of women leave tech after 10 to 20 years, and then 22% of those go and start their own small business. I also realized that if I walked away, I'd be walking away from having the ability to impact the future. Technology is impacting all aspects of our daily lives, but yet it is not fulfilling the needs of women and underrepresented minorities. Examples include voice assistants are less accurate for female voices and those with accents. Facial recognition software still doesn't work as well for people with darker skin tones. And a lot of the data that's being used for machine learning has implicit biases in it. And so I decided I was going to come back to tech under my rules and really wanted to work somewhere that cared about inclusion. And so when I went to join Tile in late 2018, I spoke to our CEO. And I said to him, look, if you want me to join as platform engineering director, I want to make sure inclusion is something that's not just lip service, it's something that we care about and we're gonna focus on. And so he said to me, Josie, I'm married, I have two daughters, I have two sisters, no brothers, no sons. And I told my wife, I really wanna make Tile the best place for women to work in the Valley. So I joined Tile, ended up uh, starting as the platform engineering director where I helped integrate the Tile technology into our partner products, including uh, working with Intel and HP to enable Intel-based laptops to behave as tiles without needing any additional hardware, as well as enabling our Alexa and Google Home integrations. I then ended up picking up the web team and eventually in the last year became a VP of software engineering and I grew the team from 29 to 55 in my first five months on that role in the middle of COVID. I also head up our DEI initiatives at Tile, starting with uh, launching our mentoring program, which we've now had I think seven or eight sessions of, it's empowered six people within Tile to be able to change their roles uh, within the company, which is very exciting to me. And so that's a little bit about my career in history. And 
now what's exciting is what's coming next. Um, so I'm actually going to be leaving Tile in July and going off to do executive leadership and diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching, as well as fractional VP services, because I realized, you know, I've done an amazing job and it's not just me, like it's a team effort when you're really building an inclusive culture. Um, but I've only been, you know, it's one company at a time. If I stay doing it, you know, full-time in companies and Right now, the research shows it's going to take 208 years for us to get to gender pay equality. And I don't want to wait 208 years. Like, I'm going to be dead. Who knows what the world's going to be like? So, like, let's try to get that solved sooner. And so for me, you know, I want to stay in tech, but I want to do it differently this time and really help empower leaders to build those inclusive and diverse teams that not just thrive, but really build diverse and inclusive products that fulfill the needs of our complex world, which in turn will lead them to having higher retention and profits as well. Great. I mean, Josie, that's a fantastic summary of your career and, and now where your passion is as well. So that that's really really exciting to hear about. So thank you for doing that. Um, so Josie, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yes. So I have two career tips that, you know, I usually tell these tips to my women in tech, but honestly, it applies to everybody as a way to thrive in the tech space. The first one is networking, networking, networking. It is invaluable to your career to network. And so many people in tech are introverts. I actually am an introvert too, which a lot of people don't realize given how much public speaking I've done in the last four years. I actually used to be so shy, would not go out to talk to anybody, but I've really learned the impact that networking can have, not just on your own life, but on really being able to impact the lives of others. The, the second tip I always tend to give people, especially those getting into tech, is build resilience. You know, the, uh, you know, as, and this is one I definitely give to women in tech. It's like when we're, it's going to take a long time for us to get to, you know, gender or even beyond that racial and ethnic equality and equity as well. And so we need to have resilience to thrive while we're getting there. And so many times, especially as women, we're raised to be perfect, but that does not serve us in this workplace. And so, you know, one of my favorite books is Brave Not Perfect by Rishma Shijani. She was the founder of Girls Who Code. And it really encourages people to truly be brave and take action in this workplace. And so that's my other tip for people. Good. Excellent. Okay. Um, so Josie, can you tell us about your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yes, I would have to say, you know, and I alluded to this earlier that, that I had some challenging times uh, when I was at Apple. And I think one of my biggest challenges at that point was I still fell under being too nice. I, 
you know, this comes under the perfectionist tendencies. A lot of women, especially, you know, try to be nice. And we don't realize that that does not serve us in being an effective leader. And so there was feedback that I really needed to give one of my teammates. And I just, I delayed on it for months, honestly. And then it kind of just blew up in my face um, and ended up not just causing relationship issues between me and that individual, but also just team drama in general. And so I really realized even if it's a difficult conversation, the importance of having it as soon as possible. Yes, that's very good advice. Definitely. Yeah, definitely don't let things continue if you need to address them. I think any any leader um, must be able to sort of take the initiative and address things like that when they when they take place i mean i i I don't think it's just limited as well to women um in terms Mm -hmm. of wanting to be nice um i think that that can be said of a lot of men as well oh absolutely yeah one of my favorite books recently has been this book called not nice by dr aziz and he really talks about how you know niceness is something that a lot of people suffer from and it really can impact your career. Yeah. Okay. Can we now maybe go to your career highlight? You may have already touched on this, but um, it would be good to hear, you know, wh- where you feel you've made the most impact and where you feel your highlight has been so far. Yeah. So I think, you know, the impact I've been able to have at Tile has been one of my big career highlights. You know, going from being platform engineering director to VP of engineering, you know, convincing the executive team to, you know, let me be head of DEI and really figuring out, you know, how to grow a team in the middle of the pandemic as well and still creating that inclusive culture. And so, you know, I'm really proud of what we've accomplished in the last four years. And so, you know, for me, it's about then taking those learnings and seeing how we can apply it all over the tech industry for the future. Yeah, that's very true. And of course, with with the pandemic and remote working being obviously much more prevalent and we went to one a different extreme but now we're sort of sort of moving back to more of a balance so again those dynamics have changed so presumably that has has an effect as well on on team building and relationships absolutely and as leaders we have to be much more intentional now in building relationships, onboarding folks intentionally. You know, the statistics show that if you take somebody through a great onboarding experience, they're pretty likely to stay at your company for an average of three years. And that's even more impactful now with remote work because you have to be so much more intentional about not just the onboarding, but also the building trust. I think a lot of times people don't realize how valuable it is to be taking time to do doing chit chat, to to really getting to know your colleagues outside of work, because honestly, that's what builds trust much more than sitting around and talking about a work topic. Yes, very true. 
Okay. Um, Josie, what excites you about the future of careers in IT? Well, it's a couple of things, right? One is there's obviously so much more for us to solve with technology, right? One of the reasons I want to get into what I'm doing in the future is I feel a lot of what we've been solving in the tech industry recently is convenience problems. Not that we aren't also solving what I call our real world problems, but you know, we've got startups in San Francisco that'll send millennials quarters so they can do their laundry. But, you know, where are the uh, the million and one companies trying to solve, you know, racial equity or the homeless problem, right? There might be one or two, but if we flipped the needle and uh, uh, turned it over and instead had a much bigger focus on real world problems instead of convenience problems, I think we would have technology really creating a better world. And... Oh, go ahead. I think to get there, we really need inclusive and diverse teams. And that's where I think the exciting part is. And this, again, comes really back to my mission, because one of the challenges we've had so far is because our teams aren't diverse, they're not actually thinking about all of the problems that need to be solved, right? This is why there's still challenges with, you know, facial recognition software. A prime example, actually, I just saw this in action at the airport. I was, I went to Florida at the beginning of the month to visit my dad and I was at the airport bathroom. And as you know, there's usually soap dispensers that you can put your hands underneath. And so I went, washed my hand, put my hands uh, under the soap dispenser. I got soap. I washed my hands and went on my merry way. There was a black woman standing next to me. She put her hands under the soap dispenser. No soap came out. She ended up turning to the white woman next to her and said, oh, could you help me and put your hands underneath here? When the other person did that, soap came out. And so she was able to get some soap. The thought hit my mind at that point. Wow, she has had to experience this enough to realize that the soap dispenser is most likely not registering her hand because of her skin color and that she knew she just had to get somebody else to put their hand underneath. This is a soap dispenser in a public airport bathroom in the United States in 2022. We should not be having these problems, but yet we do. And it's because we need more diversity and inclusion in the tech industry. Yes, absolutely. I think we could probably have a whole episode discussion about <laughs> how technology has evolved and 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 why these these issues exist. But um, I think maybe we have a separate discussion. I think we'll we'll talk about that maybe afterwards. Yes. Anyway, um, we're going to go into the reveal round now. I, I want to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Mm-hmm. So you ready for this? Definitely. Okay. So, what first attracted you to a career in IT? So that's a little bit of an interesting story. My passion for technology actually started when I was five years old. I got a Commodore 64 for Christmas, and I just loved computers since then. And But my parents wanted me to be a doctor, and so my undergrad degree is actually in chemistry. 
However, my junior year, I realized I really, A, didn't want to be a doctor, and B, had no interest in going to grad school right after college. So I thought, hmm, what should I be doing? I had tried to take a computer science course when I was in college. However, the person teaching it had only ever taught grad students, and he did not do a good job teaching CS 101. The average of the class was like a 19 out of 120 on the final exam. And so I didn't really pick it up at that point. And so it was hard to take other CS classes during college. So I ended up getting a job, though, as a technical consultant for PricewaterhouseCoopers because they ended up hiring just really smart individuals that they could teach to code. And so my first three months on the job there was actually a boot camp in Tampa, Florida, and where they taught us to code. And the way they taught it, I picked it up immediately. I was soon teaching my colleagues. And they sent me out here to California for a week to learn a now defunct technology called Broad Vision. That week in California, though, changed my life. I fell in love with the climate, the culture. And mind you, this was 1999, middle of the dot-com boom. So technology was just taking off. You know, I I got to go to Mozilla's launch party, which was amazing. <laughs> um and I realized this was where I wanted to be. I wanted to change the world through tech. And, you know, that week made me realize that. And so I asked, you know, PwC if they'd send me out to California. And they said no, since I had just started the role. And I said, okay, fine. I started applying for jobs out here. And, you know, in January of 2000, I got a job as a web developer at that, you know, dot-com startup I mentioned earlier. And that's how I started uh, my career in tech. Great. Okay. And and what is the best career advice you've ever received? Ooh, I think the best career advice I've ever received is it's important to learn from your mistakes and not just dwell on them, right? I think this goes back to my perf- perfectionist tendencies, just really digging into, hey, learn from them. Don't focus on being perfect. Yes, exactly. And possibly a little bit more difficult to answer, but what is the worst career advice you've ever received? I think the worst career advice, this isn't one I've directly personally received, but I've heard from so many new college grads that I've mentored that I really want to bring this one up. I feel like sometimes people who are in college get told, this first internship, this first job you get, like that is going to define your career. And that is just so not true. You know, like IT and tech, it's about learning and it's about having that growth mindset, right? Like if I was still only doing the stuff I was doing 22 years ago, I wouldn't have a job because nobody would even know the code I was producing, right? Um, I I, I wrote code for like Blackberries back in the day, you know? and, and and little WAP uh, things on Palm Pilots for people who remember that, right? But you need to evolve in the tech industry. And so I think that's one of the most important things to think about. Yeah, that's a key point. Definitely, yes. And if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? 
So I think, you know, I would still do a lot of what I'm doing now, right? Like, I still think I would get into tech, I would get into leadership. You know, I still think I'd be advocating for women in tech, right? I think the one thing I would do differently, if you actually look through my career path, is I did go back to grad school. Um, in about five years after I started working, I decided to get my master's degree in computer science for a couple of reasons. One, I was fed up with people asking me why I didn't have a CS degree. And two, you know, I did want to kind of well round my education. Back then, this was 2005, there was a lot less online learning, you know, there was there was not, you know, a bunch of classes being offered by universities online. And so I thought really going to grad school was the only option to really get this knowledge. And at the time, I think it was. I think now I wouldn't have bothered going back to grad school. I think it's much more prevalent for people to not have CS degrees and still go into this industry, even though some companies still are insisting on CS degrees and reali- don't realize what an impact that has on uh, their DNI numbers because um, you're, you're discounting a huge percentage of people of color by forcing people to have a four-year degree. Um, But yes, I think that's the one thing that I would change is uh, I would have not gone back to grad school and just done some online learning, but I still think I would be in the tech industry. And you know what? One of the things I always say about my career is obviously my time at Apple was challenging. However, it was also had some amazing learnings and I would never change that, right? Because I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't gone through those challenges. And so I treat everything as a learning experience where that helps me learn and grow and shape where I'm going in my career. Good. And what career objectives do you currently have? I know you've touched on a lot of this, but maybe could you summarize where you think your objectives are? So my big mission is retaining women in tech. And this is a crazy number, but if I could somehow impact a million women in tech's lives in some way, right, either directly indirectly by, you know, empowering their leaders to understand how to create an inclusive culture. You know, if I can change that number that 56% of women leave tech after 10 to 20 years, or bring in that 208 years and pay equity, like that is my career goal at this point is figuring out how to use my unique combination of leadership skills, technology skills, and DEI skills to finally really move the needle when it comes to the tech industry. Good. Okay, right. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Empathy. This is, you know, this is the one thing I always talk to people about as like, especially with remote work. I think it is the foundational soft skill that is really underlying a lot of what is needed to be an effective and fair leader. And it is really taking the time to make sure you're you're coming at things from a place of curiosity and really taking the time to understand the needs of others and really being able to put yourself in their shoes and acknowledge their emotions and feelings. Yes, yes. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? 
part of it is work-life balance, right? I think a huge challenge I used to have, and you know, it still comes up, especially if you talk to my coworkers. And I'm a workaholic. I'm so passionate about this stuff. I can spend all day, every day. But I realized when I did that, I'd end up in this three-month burnout pattern. And what I mean by that is I'd work, 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 get burnt out, go on a vacation, come back, actually be pretty burnt out from all the work that didn't get done during the vacation, and then start the cycle all over again. And I realized that's not a very successful cycle, and I don't want to be having these burnout peaks. And so I really, truly realized that self-care and taking the time to create balance and boundaries is one of the most crucial skills for thriving as a leader. Yes, that's very good. Yeah. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? A number of things. So I've got two adorable uh, puppies. Uh, I call them puppies, but they're actually older. I've got uh, uh, my my Westie actually just turned 17 earlier this week, which I'm very excited about. And I have a dachshund who's 12. So spending lots of time with my uh, dogs on walks and in nature. I love going to either the mountains or the beach and feel very blessed. I can do either in an hour here from where I live in the Bay Area. I'm also a video game fan. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, I worked at Zynga for five years, and uh, um, I've been gaming since I was five, and uh, currently play a lot of Civilization VI with my husband. Uh, and then the other thing I love to do is travel. Um, I, I love to travel. I love going to Hawaii and just seeing different parts of the world. Uh, my goal is to go see some castles in Europe uh, one of these days. And I also do a lot of reading and learning. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, uh, learner. And so I'm always consuming either audiobooks, podcasts, uh, always reading something new. Great. That's good to hear. A nice, a nice diverse range of activities and interests, definitely. Um, and, and Josie, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? Yes, I think my parting career advice, you know, we'll just go back to something I mentioned earlier, which is really about thriving in technology is going to be about building resilience, building your network, and that self-care piece I just talked about, right? If I hadn't had those three things, I don't think I'd be succeeding or thriving in, in tech today. And so, you know, so many times we focus on the, 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 the technology, the hard skills, but the soft skills are just as important for us to be able to thrive long term. They are, absolutely. And, and Josie, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? Absolutely. So the place I'm on most is LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out for me there. And you can also check out my website at josiehaines.com. It's currently focused on my uh, public speaking, but I am adding uh, more of my coaching and services there in the near future. Fantastic. Josie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great chatting with you. It's been great chatting with you as well, Phil. Thank you.
Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.